This is the fear of science. Hello again, everyone, and welcome to The Fear of Science, the podcast that dives into the wide world of science and science-adjacent topics to demystify, debunk, and delight. Each show features a new fear, along with special guests, surprises, discoveries, and much more along the way. My name is Daniel Chai. And I'm Jeff Porter. And uh, today we are here with our newest episode titled... Fear of Gender Identity. Now, joining us in our Fear of Science virtual studio, we are very honored to welcome two special guests to talk about this very important subject. One of our special guests is a single mom of two kids in public education, works for policy change for the public good, and makes trans-exclusionary folks furious. Our other special guest is a comedian and a drag performer under the name of Homo Hardware, and they eat turfs for breakfast. We're very excited to join us here for The Fear of Science, Morgan Auger and Charlie Cook. Hello. Hey, folks. Welcome, welcome. Thank you uh, very much. It's so nice to yeah. be here. We're talking fear of gender identity. Um, so like every episode, um, I'm going to start with the, the first question. Um, so why are people afraid of gender identity? And what do we mean by gender identity? Um, Charlie, <laughs> you can do it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think there's um, what I notice a lot is I think there's two sides to the fear. I think that um, the 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 groups of people who um like the turfs we were referencing um who have these visceral angry sometimes bordering on violent fears of trans people and i think a lot of those comes from being afraid of gender identity that challenges uh these heteronormative um things that we ideas that we've all grown up with and internalized in a lot of ways. Um, and then I think there's also people who are very, are a lot more open-minded and uh, welcoming of trans people uh, whose fears more run towards fears of saying something wrong and fears of mm. not knowing what's appropriate to say, um, which I think is also a, a type of fear because it, it's hard to have conversations with people that are clenched up and afraid. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'd say that, uh, you know, there's there's some validity to fear of gender identity. There are there are some people whose life, lived experience has, uh, has a trauma that's related mm -hmm. to, for example, their sexual experiences, people who are victims of sexual assault, people who are victims of assault, and... Uh, experienced that very much on a physical basis well like assault is because they had certain parts because they were women or because they were men and as a as an uh, outcome of that they um they look uh and this is especially true for the binary women uh mm -hmm. they look for their womanhood as the root cause of uh of the violence experienced and I think there's some value to that. But rather than looking at it as, you know, this violence came my way because of who I am, which is a woman navigating society in a patriarchy that uh, oppresses who I am by taking, you know, this assumption that I'm someone's property, I'm someone's charge, and I'm someone's responsibility for how I conduct myself. Uh, and that's awful. Instead of that, they're saying it's because I have a certain kind of genitals, because I have a certain kind of genes. And that's why I was uh, I was assaulted, and um, there are uh, there are organizations that uh, that support these people uh, mm -hmm. in counseling or in consciousness raising, and these organizations reinforce this uh, this viewpoint. So you know, if you spend your entire life thinking that you're oppressed because you have a vagina, let's say, or your entire life thinking that others should be impressed because they have a vagina or because they don't have a penis, then you might find yourself thinking that that's all there is to life. And you coast on the physical layer, which is so easy to see, and 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 conveniently forget all the other stuff. 
And, you know, it's like the rich people, right? The rich people don't ever have to think about making ends meet. They think mm -hmm. that everything's a choice, right? Oh, yeah. you know, I took all these choices rather than I only had good choices my entire life. I never yeah. had to choose between bad and worse, right? And th this thing where you've never had to see something gives you the ability to presume that everything you think about it is actually true rather yeah. than it's one lens. And that's, I think, that's the issue of the fear of gender identity uh, because it gives agency and it's, and people, I think, are afraid of the idea that they create for themselves that if if they weren't sexually assaulted because they have a vagina, then that they were sexually assaulted because they allowed it to happen, which is totally mm -hmm. false and wrong. But I think that's a very strong motivator for justifying this idea that gender identity is patriarchy's oppression all on its own, and it's not actually how you live through society and how you define who you are. And uh, and that's I think that's that's a, a major part of the fear of gender identity in my eyes. Yeah, absolutely. Wow, so well put. Uh, so okay, one, well, one thing I wanted to um, talk about uh, as well is what do we mean uh, by uh, gender identity, um, and also what is the difference between gender non-conforming, gender queer, and non-binary. Words, words, words. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> you know, I um, I I'll, I'll, I'll often I talk about soji and I talk about queer so that I don't have to say LGBTQ two plus IIA or or an equivalent because that that string of, of words uh, represented as acronyms kind of is starting to sound like LGBTQ RSTUV. Right, that mm. is starting to be like a really awful and, and big to use, and so we and and this you know queerness and gayness and transness and all of the identities and and, and expressions and sexualities are intertwined anyways, and right. so um, rather than focusing on what the words mean, I think what we should, one focuses on is what they mean to the person saying it. Right, yeah. I am I am you know transness right. queerness so non-binary gender queer, gender non-conforming, these, these have overlapping and f fluid meaning based on the context and based on who you are. There's a, uh, I believe there's a non-binary person in the room who's gender non-conforming <laughs> more than me, who is like, you could consider me a gender fanatic. I'm way <laughs> over onto the extreme in the binary edge of the universe. <laughs> what can our non-binary person say? Um, yeah, I definitely agree um, with what you were saying about how I think um, the the reason we have words like non-binary and genderqueer and gender non-conforming is they mean something to people and it's so important for people who have um, found that um, conventional language to talk about gender uh, maybe perhaps in a binary sense, hasn't served them. Uh, it's so important to have those words, to have something to say, this is what I am and this is a word. But at the same time, uh, these terms mean different. It's not a non-binary and trans is not a monolithic experience. And um, there's a lot of, of individuality. So um, to me, I think the biggest difference between uh, the terms that we were talking about is I think gender nonconformity um, can be, um, is a word that can also apply to cisgender people. Um, so like for, like, for example, many, many years ago, a, a gender nonconformist could have been a woman who wore pants um, right. or in a more conservative setting a, a woman who cuts her hair short could be a gender nonconformist, but that doesn't necessarily mean anything about that woman's gender identity. Um, that doesn't, um, just because a woman wears pants doesn't mean she's trans. Um, in those terms, there's sort of a difference between action and um, identity, um, mm -hmm. who you are. Yeah, and that language is it can be confusing to people sometimes. And that's, I know Charlie, you mentioned it uh, earlier on 
is is having those conversations i think is where a lot of the fear comes from from the people who are outside of the community um i'm lucky enough to have some trans friends in my life um and so i've i've been able to learn how to how to talk with someone but everyone's different right like and how do you have those conversations if someone tells you oh my pronoun is not what you think my pronoun is uh how do you have that conversation with somebody that's an interesting question you know mm-hmm. not declaring pronouns versus declaring pr- pronouns just recently i was uh, misgendered at work at a uh at a uh, uh group video chat with like 50 people and i get misgendered all the time by bigots and it never bothers me but this was my coach uh it was my at work where i work we have career coaches you know and it was my coach and it was in front of my peers Mm -hmm. and it was supposed to be a safe place and it was weirdly devastating to have Mm -hmm. someone not recognize who i was or accidentally do it and it was very strange because you know i pretty much dare people to do bad things that I'll sue them into the ground for <laughs> and uh, or write awful articles about them. You know, I mean, I have Megan Murphy basically uh, who, you know, who's gone and, you know, filed a fictional police claim against me claiming that I was stalking her for shopping on main street. You know, it's like some ludicrous conduct and that that's like, that doesn't really affect me, but this in a specific place, you know, uh, your pronouns really matter to you actually mm-hmm. because it is hello this is who i am and when somebody drills into your brain you know into your soul of souls and says yeah i don't see that it hurts mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. and that's what the pronouns are and the problem of course is nobody knows your pronouns by looking at you um right. they assume your pronouns mm-hmm. and ask any uh any non-conforming person who says who gets mm-hmm. mistaken you know uh, one of my children is a boy with long hair and he gets misgendered chronically, uh, mm-hmm. and he's young enough that they can't tell. And they just assume, you know, and then it was kind of funny when it was done in massively queer space. He got a free treat out of it. But uh, <laughs> uh, uh, it's important who you are, and your pronouns are an important part of who you are. And mm-hmm. we have all kinds of pronouns because that's how you like to be addressed. Mm-hmm. Something uh, that I say a lot to people um, when the question of navigating pronouns come up um, is a cool, fun tip for uh, not misgendering people is not gendering them in the first place. So I think that um, the act of um, using someone's uh, correct pronouns and the act of respecting gender identity is a active and ongoing thing. Um, so I think one of the first steps to, um, yeah, mistakes happen sometimes and it is really, it can, it is really devastating when someone that you thought you were in a safe space with misgenders you. Um, and one of the things that can help because I think if less people in the world were so quick to try and pin a gender on people in the first place. And I think right. also um, I really admire um, as an act of allyship when other cis people take on the responsibility of introducing pronouns and normalizing pronoun introductions. So whether that's um, I've been in a few Zoom chats where someone else who was cis um, wrote their pronouns, uh, so like a bracket he, him, next to his name. And so it made me feel less self-conscious about putting mine there because I think on their own, sometimes people will see they, them, and go, what is that? It's like people forget literally what a pronoun is. Um, So I think having an example of, oh, I'm more familiar with she, her. Oh, right. You can also use they, them, or any other number of pronouns. Yeah. I was actually at a convention um, a while ago, and um, on our name tags, they were asking people to put their pronouns on it. Um, So I put mine on. And and there was this older man um, sitting next to me, and he, he comes over and he was like, what does this pronoun field mean on my my name tag 
Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, that that's your your gender pronoun. So um, he, him, they, them, she, her. Um, and uh, he's like, oh, well, obviously I'm a guy. That's just stupid. <laughs> I'm like, well, it's not the same for everybody. And, uh, you know, it's up to you whether you want to put it on there or not. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, um, you know, for... Uh, you know, for what about the the people who are, you know, so afraid of making a mistake, um, misgendering someone, um, or you know, I, I think there's there's two sides of that coin. People who are either too afraid to to get it wrong and so don't want to try, and also the people who are who are also on the I you know i'm not here to i'm not here to try something new i'm not here to learn anything new um the world needs to fit my view and uh there's two genders and you know that's it like you know uh how do we work with either or both should we (laughs) (laughs) shall i go okay so i'm gonna tell you an equivalency story years Mm -hmm. and years ago i think it was gloria steinem if i'm not wrong introduced the radical, unbelievable word, Ms. Justifying mm. not a charge of your dad, but the char- and not the charge of your husband, not mm-hmm. property of a man, and not virgin blood or deflowered blood. And you know, and, and because of course Miss and Mrs. implied these things and they were objectifying. And, of course, back then, these biovating, is it called biovating, blovating? Biovating blowhards were saying, you know, (laughs) I cannot possibly address a woman in any other way than Mrs. and a girl any other way than Miss. Because doing otherwise would be a grammatical monstrosity and an (laughs) affront to all things good. Because there is only two ways to address someone as a man's property or as another man's property when they have a vagina. That's basically what they were saying, right? And now here we are, weirdly enough, several decades later, and we have the same blowhards who are saying, I cannot possibly (laughs) not call someone Mr. or Mrs. based on their, on, on my fantasy of what their genetics must be because clearly God intended that there be only two genders, only two ways of addressing somebody. And when that person over there, when someone's calling them, they, someone's doing a harm because nobody knows, you know, nobody knows their gender over there of that person over there. And we cannot break grammar with that horrible term. And so, you know, I mean, give me a fracking break here. <laughs> I have zero patience for mm-hmm. people who actually like to pretend that anybody else cares that they're a bigot, except for the fact that they're a bigot. You know, you can get used to grammar change. I mean, mm-hmm. we've, we started using the word texting as a verb, <laughs> you know. We have... Googling. Uh, every, we Google, okay, yeah. you know, and uh, I don't know, you know, everybody knows what a DUI is, and mm-hmm. we can't say they are right here and they're hungry and their name is Pat, right? We can't mm-hmm. say that, like, hello, what, is something wrong? And fun yeah. fact, the U.S. Navy's entire manuals program has always used they to describe the person mm-hmm. of unknown gender because they were trying to keep the number of words down. Right. Yeah. That's the end of my rant. Now let's talk about Thank you. nice. That's things. amazing. <laughs> yeah, um, that's that's an excellent point. A lot of um, a lot of people uh, get really get really precious about um, about pronouns um, and seem to in that moment spontaneously forget that um, we use singular they all the time, that it's sometimes a, a convenient way to shorten down words just to refer to someone neutrally as a them. So I think a lot of, yeah, a lot of, um, a lot of bigots and a lot of uh, transphobes who conveniently don't 
use the word transphobe and get very offended when they're called mm. transphobe because that would be worse than actually being a transphobe. Um, they um, hide behind um, all these other um, things like grammar or science or, oh, I just wasn't raised that way to uh, justify um, really exclusionary. Um, and I think also, um, also want to touch on uh, people who are afraid of getting things wrong. Um, that mm -hmm. Yeah. It happens. Yes. Um, like I, I still, the, the majority of the people I spend my time with are queer and trans. And I still sometimes uh, like in this, this age where we're all talking online, sometimes I'll end a video chat and like, I, I get the fear of like, did I, sometimes I, I worry myself like, oh my God, did, did I misgender someone just because it's so, not that it's okay, but like that it's so ingrained, um, like these, all these things that we have to unlearn are so ingrained. Um, so I think for people who are, are scared of making mistakes, um, it's just about uh, get, getting uncomfortable with that and like, and learning, give a good apology that doesn't center yourself um, and just kind of getting used to um, getting used to failure, which I think we can all mm -hmm. from. Um, and yeah, just correcting yourself and moving on. Yeah, I think it also is like a large amount of expectation management too. Like, you know, you might you might ask someone uh, what their their gender pronoun is, and they might get upset at you. But you know that doesn't that, that's just a possibility. You can't you can't just be like, well, I'm not gonna worry about any of that because someone might get upset at me. It's just like, right. well, suck it up and respect the person. There's something <laughs> interesting that I'm seeing happen. Which is uh, that um, uh, the youngins, <laughs> way younger. Yeah, the, the I'm, I'm, you know, it's funny that I'm like I'm now like starting to touch old guard, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and the establishment. <laughs> but anyhow, uh, the youngins uh, are tending to say, "My gender is none of your business." Mm, and yeah. I think that's really mm. interesting. Right? Uh, yeah, just like yeah, I'm not telling you my gender. I remember there was. There was a really fun incident at a political event I was at not so long ago at the uh, LGBT uh, LGBT caucus of that of that organization. Uh, basically, uh, one uh, someone who was close to my heart got up and asked, you know, I'd like to know. <clears throat> you, 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 it was like the election of the local, uh, you know, of, of the organization's LGBT caucus, basically, uh, mm -hmm. and uh, my my partner asked, uh, I'd like to, you know, I'd like to know how you identify what like what are your what what are your pronouns what's your gender do you identify, identify as gay or trans or non-binary or whatever you're going to represent us i'd like to know hmm. and the outcome of this was that it was presumed she was trans exclusionary <laughs> right so this is my partner right <laughs> and, and so that was the assumption, and this that uh, that she was uh, like someone asking such things must be doing it for for nefarious reasons. Mm. And I think that's really interesting. We uh, we protect ourselves a little bit in queer space from uh, mm -hmm. <clears throat> from uh, misuse of information. And so one answer to that is to say none of your freaking business. And yeah. we could also just also venture us. And that I think that's fascinating. And I'm not passing judgment on whether. Uh, saying all of our genders and sexes are private information. I mean, I consider my, well, you know, for me, my sex being female is a political point, right? So, mm -hmm. you know, it's like it, it pokes turfs in the eye. And, um, <laughs> you know, and my refusing to prove it, except to say, well, that's what my ID says, is, you know, even more poking in the eye. And, um, mm -hmm. but uh, I think it's also important at the same time to be kind to people. Mm -hmm. And, when we have someone who means well, who isn't quite sure what the consequences of being mean is, you know, we, we see people being mean on purpose and then the trans community, you know, outrage and our allies think that's, that's hate crimes. You're hate criming me. Mm -hmm. You know, that comes up a lot. And it's a little, there's quite a bit of hyperbole in that. 
but people observe this and they get scared, I think, about where the boundaries of acceptable mistakes are. And and I think it's it's something that that are as a community, the the gender diverse communities will come to grips with over time. That over time uh, there'll be no need to be worried about actually, you know, accidentally not calling someone by their pronoun, like the worry of accidentally not calling someone with a doctorate, doctor, right? <laughs> that it might cause offense or it might not. And on the other side, it might not be as hurtful because it's not erasure, but it's like, a, you know, a, a moment and, and it, that it's understood that it's not erasing who you are. But today we're not there yet, right? <laughs> today, people are still trying to erase us and invalidate us for who we are because mm-hmm. we're slightly different than them in this stupid, stupid detail. And... Um, I'm calling transness a stupid detail in case it wasn't clear and that it shouldn't matter, but it does. And, uh, and so it still matters to us. And that's because of oppression, right? It matters because of it's a, it's a, it's an echo of oppression to have someone make the mistakes and hence the reactions. You know, uh, uh, recently in the news, uh, you know, as of the time of recording this, um, there was a, uh, a big announcement from the the U.S. Supreme Court uh, about uh, gay and transgender workers are covered by landmark uh, civil rights laws and, uh, you know, whether the Civil Rights Act of 1964 was applicable um, all over the news as of the time of this recording. Um you know, uh, very happy, very happy to, to see that result. Um, it, it's you know far be it from me to to you know know how exactly to to phrase this, but you know um, uh, when when do you when do we think that the uh, when is the fight going to be over? When is the when is the battle for rights for you know, or or even when is when are we going to get to that point? Like you say, when when gender won't matter, when or if we'll get to a point when you know sharing our pronouns will be as simple as sharing our name. Um, do you think we will ever get to that point as a society? I mean, that would be really really nice. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I think that we're so far from there, right? Mm. Um, and, you know, yeah, so true. Uh, uh, Supreme Court ruling says you can't discriminate against people for being trans or gay or lesbian or bisexual or non-binary at work. But that same week, the president of that same country took away uh, the, uh, the, yeah. the, the federal protection from discrimination in health care from a million people, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, I don't know what right. to say here. Mm-hmm. When is right. the last time the dismembered body of a trans woman who had been set on fire was found in the U.S.? Yeah. Not a decade ago. Very, <laughs> right? Very true. You know, very true. I've, been, I've been to a Taco Bell or a Taco Time in, in Anaheim that a year later, you know, I was at an, a meeting and I, I saw that that, you know, they... The, the, the body of a trans woman had been found in the dumpster in pieces after having mm-hmm. been set on fire. It's like, you know, I was there. I had been there, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so, and, you know, that's just the trans women, which is my obsession because that's, you know, for, for me, that's, that's really close to home and all those things. Mm-hmm. And also because of uh, the, the fight, it seems to be so much focused on the, those identities. But mm-hmm. equality and inclusion, I mean, you know, uh, there's a long there's a long time before the queers are treated like let's say immigrants right mm, you know right. speaking as an immigrant right. or that the trans people are treated like the gays that's going to be a while like decades treated like the cisgender white male gays you mean well yeah you know and it's just like this this self-entitled certainty that i hear in you know, in the voices of a Laura Lynn Thompson, when I sit across from her negotiating where the line is about between oppression and religious freedom, mm. you can see in her eyes and you can hear in her voice that she thinks I'm a monstrosity that should be beaten to death. You know, mm-hmm. like she doesn't say it, 
but you can see it that that's what it feels like I'm doing at that time. I'm talking to someone who would happily see me not exist. Mm-hmm. And uh, I hope I'm wrong, but that's what it feels like. So mm-hmm. so when when that does happen, you know, for for our listeners and you know for for myself, you know, uh, I I can't fathom what it would be like to be, you know, um to to have someone look at me. I I mean, you know, as a as a side note, I've I've had my own issues with different people. Uh hello if you're listening, I'm still here. <laughs> uh, um but you know, how how does it how what goes through you when when someone looks at you like that and treats you like that and 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 talks to you as if you were a monstrosity? What what do you what do you feel? I think about Schrodinger's murderer or Schrodinger's Sith uh, person, which is like, I wonder if this is the one that's going to kill me. Mm. That's what I feel when I see that. Mm. You wonder, or if it's someone they talk to that's going to do it. Right. Uh, just wow. because, so I talk to unsavory people. But generally speaking, I, it's a, yeah, it, it can be, bring a real chill, you know, when uh, when I'm at an event and I've got people who I know to be in the, you know, like in the Aryan uh, supremacist nationalist leadership of an organization of these organizations, passing me white supremacist hand signs while looking at me, like if they hate me in the eyes, right? It's like, hmm, yes, this person is an awful, awful person who really truly believes that they need to save the world by undoing what it is that the people on my side of this conversation are trying to do. Um, right, Charlie. Yeah. What's your take on that? Oh, um, yeah. I think it can just um, it really um, gets in your head in this way. I think that um, can uh, at least for me causes me to sort of double double think or to question any negative interaction um, I have. Like for right. example. Um, sure, the Supreme Court um, in the U.S. has said people can't be discriminated against uh, for gender identity, but that doesn't stop an employee, an employer who maybe doesn't who doesn't accept trans people. That doesn't stop them from coming up with another reason to to fire to fire staff and then to leave that. Yeah, and wondering. Right wondering, okay, was I actually fired because I was late this one time or was I fired because my boss hates trans people? Um, so I think it really um, just can call into question and can cause you to, or it has caused me to question um, just every everyday normal interactions that, that should be as simple as um, going to work or or going out into the world thinking like okay am i Hmm. I here or um is it better if i if i try if i just keep trying to seek out explicitly queer spaces and those will be a bit better than um average Mm non-queer spaces thank you thank you yeah, and you know, it, it just it disgusts me that that people would be that cruel. Like I, I've always thought that people who are trans or gender nonconforming or gay or lesbian that they're so brave that that you're able to be so true to who you are, and you have to live your life with people you know, possibly giving you death threats or, you know, like Charlie was saying, like not knowing if you lost your job, why you lost your job and having that in the back of the mind, your mind for the rest of your life, because there is no equality. There is no equality for you. Now, um, you know, uh, as we are, you know, in a, in a period of time where, where um, there's, you know, uh, uh, we're, you know, lots of, uh, uh, protests and movement also in the in the mm-hmm. black community and their um, and and their uh, rallying cries for for justice, uh, um, you know, and also with uh, uh, 
you know, in the uh, gay community, the queer community, trans community, you know, um, similar cries for justice and and uh, and also both communities crying out for for allies, um, allies of different races, different genders. Um, you know, another thing that I'm hearing uh, is is that you know, it, that people who, who want to be allies um, need to start learning to educate themselves and to, st- and to uh, uh, stop putting, of teaching the allies the work. Um, so, you know, uh, so with that, uh, uh, you know, understanding that we're, we're recording a, a podcast, which is a listening tool, but, you know, um what would you say in terms of like you know for people who want to learn more about gender identity and how to support the people in their lives who who uh, need their support what what are some ways what are some ways that we can learn to to uh, take the burden off of off of uh, you know people and to put some of that onus on on us what can we do I think listening is um, a really important um, step. Um, So, for example, uh, there's been another uh, news story that's been circulating a lot related to this topic about a uh, certain children's book author we all know. Yeah. Mm, Yes. Talking about. (laughs) And a thing that I find so interesting about that story is that. I feel like society really just kind of like let her build steam in um, in her hatred towards trans women and then branched out into just, oh, surprise, I hate all trans people. Um, and I think, but like there'd been hints for years and years in some of her um, things on, on Twitter right. or in some of her books. There were so many things that uh, trans people were saying like, hey, that's not normal. This isn't okay. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people were sort of, um, oh, it maybe it maybe it was a a mistake. Maybe, maybe she is sorry. Um, Mm. Instead of um, maybe listening to people and saying, oh, yeah, you know, uh, that wasn't okay. Um, Maybe we should be thinking about whether this person should have a platform um, instead it built and built and built. And that's just one example. Um, But I think that, I think that something that can really help is instead of, um, I, I think it's natural to be curious and ask questions. So I think sometimes when we're being allies and listening to people's stories, it can be, um, a natural tendency to to question like oh well do you think that's really what this meant like do you do you think this really was a transphobic comment instead of just listening and saying yep you know what you um said this made you feel unsafe i trust in your word let's talk about what we can do now to uh, help and to mm-hmm. make you feel more safe in the future thank you I would be happy to add that these questions about gender and inclusion of people of diverse genders often uh, is met with the non-trans community, the cisgender community, you know, the which uh, sometimes we call the natal, so natal men and natal women. They they see something, they see a question about, oh, what about this thing? And then they say, oh, oh, yeah, well, I believe in human rights, but, mm. but that's, that's different. That's different over there, right? Mm. And I mean, you know, human rights are absolute, right? right. Mm-hmm. When um, the whole point of civil rights, which is what human rights law is, is, that, is to say these, um, there, there's a list of prohibited grounds for discrimination in certain contexts, right? Contexts like employment, like housing, like services. 
and like real estate in Canada. This is how we do it. And we have a list and context. And generally speaking, you can't be awful, but on those specific list, the components of that list, it's explicitly prohibited. And we all agreed that that was going to happen. And now it has. Gender identity or expression is an explicitly prohibited grounds of discrimination in Canada in housing and services and employment. Well, it's not selective. You can't say except at the restaurant mm. or except at the swimming pool or except at the drugstore or at the shelter or at mm. work. The fact is it's everywhere except when, like for all of these explicit prohibitions, you make a case for saying, you know, um, we can't help, we, we can't help uh, refugees without prioritizing refugees <laughs> right mm-hmm. and yeah. but we can, but but it's prohibited to say and it's always been prohibited to say we'll help refugees but we're not going to help refugees from angola because they're black right mm-hmm. that is against the law in canada and this 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 arbitrary idea that um that we can say, oh, we're going to protect everybody except, and you know, I'm going to use some examples mm-hmm. that are not queerness here. So, except the black people or the French immigrants or the disabled people, that except them part, that's breaking the law. That's the whole point of all of this. When you yeah. say except those people, you're drifting into populist extreme rights supremacy, mm-hmm. and you don't go there. We don't go there as uh, as uh, as was you know. As the the the, uh, the the tenant of the White House was recently chided by a uh, a, a minister in the U.S. I think mm. Pat Robertson. I think if I'm not wrong, you know, we don't do that, <laughs> right? It's not allowed. And and in fighting against this stuff, we rely on allies a lot, right, to help educate mm-hmm. and learn. And you were asking, how do we get allies to uh, to do a good job? And you know, uh, generally speaking, allies are a real problem because they have no skin in the game. And for example, I right. I can try to support a cause, right? But I need to be mindful that I have no skin in that game. And, you know, like right now we're talking about anti-black racism a lot in Canada and in the U.S. and around the world. Thankfully, finally, because, you know, we see an awful lot of people who are picked on because of their skin tone, especially if it's blackness, and that's used against them in acts of violence mm-hmm. or systemic discrimination, because they're, quote, those people, unquote, in the heart and the soul of the person doing the badness. And I'm not affected by this. So I need to be careful how I'm an ally. And the same applies to mm-hmm. allies of transness. And that's how we should always think, I, I propose, right? It's like, if you would like right. to be an ally to trans people, remember that the mess you make, you can walk away from, but we can't. Yeah. Right. right. And an ally to anti-race, uh, anti-racism or anti-religious supremacy or anti-ableism or anti-transphobia need to remember that the very worst thing that can happen is they show up, they start a fight, they make a giant mm-hmm. mess, and then they go home to the safety of their home, and we're left with the blowback, yeah. whoever we is, the victims of that that bias. And that's the number one thing that allies can do is to not make it worse. Because mm-hmm. making it worse... They have no idea. And I've seen this so many times. Allies come in and they try to help. And they blow things up. And they are all so smug that they've helped. But, you know, they've just set things back like a year on advocacy. And, uh, and in the trans community, you know, you see this even like, we also see the same problem with, you know, advocate, uh, activism that goes all wrong, right? You know, mm-hmm. and we're going to do this and then it's, it's t- turned around by our opponents. Yeah. But yeah. Cause no harm. Number one rule of all mm. things: cause mm. no harm. Right. That's yeah. that's my mm-hmm. advice to allies who want to help. Yeah, I think um, specifically um, sometimes har- it's harm can look like um, taking uh, the proverbial microphone uh, when it's not your um, when when like Morgan saying like when it's not your. Um, your own personal fight when you're trying to be an ally. Um, so I think um, sometimes in our, I know sometimes in my 
um, quest to be an ally to other communities, I um, sometimes it's easy to think like, oh, well, I need to say something. I need to be mm. um, out there and vocal in my thoughts on um, on the cause instead of um, and to st stop in those moments and think, okay, am I actually helping this conversation or am I taking the attention away from um, from a marginalized person who is in um, this the situation we're talking about. So instead of um, instead of taking if you have the resources instead of taking a moment to talk about your feelings about transphobia as a cis person to think like, well, instead, can I, can I pass the microphone to a trans person to give them a platform yeah. to actually talk about their experiences? Um, and another, um, one other quick thing I want to say that I think is important is um, to think of is I would love to see um, ways that activism can become intersectional. Um, so in, for example, in talking um, about trans issues, um, so much of what we're seeing in the media now and so much of what's going on is violence directed to black women, black trans women and trans women of color. Um, so if we, I think it's really important um, when we're being allies to to think about, um, okay, well, like who, who are the people that I am thinking about protecting when I think of, of trans people? Am I, am I focusing my allyship just on housed trans people with upper middle-class jobs, or am I making sure that my activism for trans people isn't leaving behind homeless trans people and uh, mm. neurodivergent trans people and all just there's there's intersections of of privilege and there's intersections of oppression um and so i think i would love to see uh, um allyship and um support that um encompasses more identities mm -hmm. and actually to your to your point of uh, taking the microphone away, um, I've actually I've been guilty of doing that for sure. I had a friend who uh, who is transitioning and was being uh, had the pro wrong pronoun used for her, and I was about to confront our friend who was was doing constantly using the wrong pronoun. Um, but you know, in the end, I ended up talking to her, and I was like, I don't want to. I don't want to take away uh, your ability to to you being able to stand up. Mm. Um, I'm willing. I'm absolutely willing to fight for you and say something if you want me to. But I don't want to also take away that from you either. So I think a large amount of it too is just having that conversation and respecting the other person as well, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think there's a paradox in this as well, which is which I'm always seeing which is that we're, um, we want to give the microphone to the people who have no voice, but inevitably the microphone goes to the people who have been trained or have experienced mm. or have been given advantage. And right. so the people who have no voice are so marginalized because of who they are by the intersectional aspects mm -hmm. of poverty, transness, mm -hmm. race, ability, and all those things. And in the end, because of that, it's like it's a multiplier on mm -hmm. the inability to get heard. Mm -hmm. And so then you end up with people, well, like like Charlie and me, who have a certain amount of training and mm -hmm. privilege. For example, today here talking about this, yeah. because that's who was invited, but it's also that's who was kind of invitable in a lot mm -hmm. of ways, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. And that's quite, such a paradox, right? Because the people yeah. that need to be heard generally can't get heard all they can do is rant on social media and nobody's listening and that's that's really awful mm -hmm. yeah thank you for yeah. sharing that uh, now uh, uh, to to bring up an, another point that we talked a little bit about off air before we started recording uh, this 
uh, episode of the fear of science. You know, uh, speaking of media, you know, uh, a lot of uh, a lot of what we learn about about so much of life comes from media, uh, mm-hmm. including gender identities. Um, what does gender identity mean to people? A lot of it we get from from movies, from films, from from songs. Um, mm-hmm. In, you know, as as we are, you know, uh, as we grow and evolve, hopefully as a society, um, and as we look back at movies that we can go, okay, that um, that character is um, not appropriate anymore. It's it's not what we as a society are now. Um, what should we do with those with those? Uh, works of art those those tv shows those films um that may make other good you know that may some people may find entertaining some people may actually say no this is a a a true work of art that just happens to have this one character that is problematic uh what you know it's a huge question that i think so many people are thinking about but you know what uh what do you two think as a performer, I think um, I think it's um, it's a con- it's a conversation that I'm glad people are having. But um, I think sometimes it um, it takes up sometimes having these rehashing these conversations over like oh my god like I I can't believe that this joke was in this old series or oh like should we just should we just take this show off of all these streaming platforms um i think that can put the conversation back on the offend that keeps the conversation sometimes on the offensive movie or tv series or character instead of um have it instead of using that opportunity to amplify um living working artists whose work um isn't is more inclusive and uh, d- mm-hmm. be part of breaking down these narratives because i think media and representation is so so important um because i think particularly for trans people it's the thing that's going to having more positive representation and better characters in media is going to do so much um, for normalizing and for giving people who otherwise might go like, oh, no, like, I don't, I don't know any trans people. Instead, they'll go, oh, no, like, so and so is trans, just like this character in my show. So um, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm personally, um, it, this doesn't mean that I don't think other people should be talking about, but personally, I think I am more interested in looking at what are people making now than uh, rehashing the same conversation about uh, controversial past works. Um, not that I think history is important. I think that's very important to look at, but how do we look at that and use that as a way to say, okay, but looking forward who can we support um who is making more inclusive and diverse works right thank you i'd like so i come from a multicultural background i'm uh, i'm french and i'm canadian and i've had the privilege of traveling a lot and living in a number of cultures that are most mostly well they were all basically eurocentric cultures so there's a, a lens there but i've noticed that uh in all these cultures, there are issues that are that they're thinking about, and there's issues they're not thinking about. And um, I think that uh, looking at everything through our cultural eye is uh, is is wrong. There are multiple cultural eyes, mm-hmm. and uh, and so trying to police like everything that's seen because it's not seen, seen through our eyes is not necessarily the best of ideas. Um, I also think that the idea of uh, of deplatforming art from the past because of uh, sins, let's say, um, that's going to get us into a place where there's no art at all. Because, you know, mm. up, up until, let's say, 10 years ago, 
uh, everything was sexist like 10 years ago, let's say, right? Everything was homophobic like 10 years mm -hmm. ago. Everything mm -hmm. was transphobic like 10 years ago. And we noticed these things, right? Like, so are we going to say that portrayal of trans people was awful? So we get rid of everything that had awful portrayal of trans people and the racism mm -hmm. and the, and the sexism and the misogyny uh, and the violence and the, you know, and what, what about the murderous movies? How about we say, you know what, when a movie shows the murder of somebody and doesn't take it seriously, then that should be banned too. Like, we can, yeah. we can, we will find ourselves yeah. in a place where we're literally, we're, we're being literal on judgment on something that really is an art form. And there's a difference between someone creating a movie that's like basically propaganda intended to cause a, a specific reaction and somebody creating a movie that's like panned in another country because it's awful. So, you know, pretty much all Hollywood movies are derided in Europe because of their stereotypic character plots their misogyny and their murderous rage that's unpunished and the defiance of reality, right? And in the same way, uh, countries that uh, haven't understood gender expression or gender identity are going to have a really hard time uh, pr portraying, for example, meaningful character explorations of that subset of society. Um, yet their art is probably still worth watching, worth, mm -hmm. worth absorbing. But if somebody comes up and deliberately creates a piece that maligns people because of who they are on purpose, I think we should have no problems with tossing that stuff into the garbage pile mm -hmm. as a society yeah. and saying, this is unworthy. And we should, I think, and that should be done very publicly. Um, yeah, I think we should never judge the past with the, with today's, uh, today's, um, a lens uh, a lens but yet i'm also mindful as we mentioned before you know we have the statues right right now we're tearing down statues and we're tearing down statues of people that are being uh, applauded for things they did and you know conveniently hiding the things that they also did you know and like for example christopher columbus i'm sure there's lots of christopher columbus statues there's gassy jack in in downtown vancouver and uh and like, the question is do we get rid of these people or statues or not and it's like, it's a paradox, right? But at the same time, as I mentioned, there are no statues of Adolf Hitler that I know of. And there's mm -hmm. a reason for that, right? Yeah, and yeah. so it's a valid reason. And I think, you know, history maybe is for the history books or, for example, for the films that can go into archives and things like this, not necessarily for celebrating. Whereas statues, yeah. the statuary, the street names are celebrating people. I don't mm -hmm. know. I used to live on Trutch Street and that was like the name of a famous bigot. Uh, you know, and, and we, we knew that we noticed that as we lived there. Yeah. And I think there's a difference between celebrating, um, the person and keeping a record and a history of that person and, and finding out what that fine line is. Um, so I, I just want to wrap up the, the episode. Uh, we had a question, um, from, uh, one of our biggest fans, uh, Justin O'Hearn, who was on our uh, uh, Fear Bitcoin episode, a friend of ours. Um, so he asked, um, this must be a really tough time for Harry Potter fans, and it's something we've already talked about a bit, uh, considering the creator's opinion on transgender issues. Um, can or should Harry Potter fans separate the art and the artist? I find myself unable to separate the art from the artist. And in all honesty, it's not because of what Harry Potter's author believes. It's because of what Harry Potter's author does. Mm -hmm. Harry Potter's author, uh, author amplifies hate propaganda targeting trans people mm -hmm. and specifically trans women and is actively trying to take away existing rights in the UK that yeah. transgender people have enjoyed since 2004. And, you know, lots of people have lots of ideas. And they have every right to have those ideas. But when those ideas turn into actions and then you get white supremacy or cis supremacy or, you know, heteronormativity being enforced by actions such as publishing tracts justifying mm -hmm. these actions to millions of people, that's a problem. Mm -hmm. And the very best place to hit people causing problem 
is in the wallet. Mm-hmm. And that's why Harry Potter's author, you know, needs to be given no mercy for their actions because the reality is that person is deliberately causing harm to people because of who they are. Yes. And if that right. person had wanted to to clarify their position in a way that didn't reinforce their point of view and their 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 the propaganda they pushed, they had every ability to do that. Mm-hmm. It's not like this person didn't know how. This person is doing what they're doing deliberately yeah. and and they're they're causing harm. I wonder mm-hmm. how many people have died because of this person through yeah. indirect means. You know? It's like yeah, you don't do that. You never kick down. And yeah. this person should not be kicking down like they're kicking. Yeah, I um, personally, like I, um, I absolutely agree. Um, I think that um, share a lot of support for things and for people uh, in what you purchase and what you buy. So I think that um, I, I personally can't tell one what what to what entertainment they enjoy um but i do think that it uh says a lot if people continue to financially support um authors like the one of harry potter who uh, have been doing such incredible harm but at the same time i am less interested in um what makes would make me feel better is is not people saying oh well I'm never going to read those books again or I'm never going to watch those movies again unless you're purchasing those movies every time you're yeah. watching them um what's more I I'm way more okay with the idea of a Harry Potter fan who still loves those books as a special place in their childhood but is um more invested and more um, compelled to to take action to protect trans people and to oppose the opinions of authors who have a tremendous platform who could be using that for good, but have instead been using that uh, to spread hate and to spread violence. So yeah. uh, that's that's how I feel about the whole situation and thank you i i think i look forward to reading the interpretations of this author's works Mm. in light of her actions you know Mm. this author's actions will influence the critical analysis of their work for years to come Mm -hmm. and because you know knowing knowing who the author is and knowing what the author thinks frames the mindset of 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 the work and I think that's going to be fascinating because it's going to change. I wouldn't mm-hmm. at all, not at all be surprised that it's going to change the interpretation of some of the characters in that book and such things, you know, and the other yeah. books under the other pen name that, that, that author's pen name, whoever mm. that author's real name is, I'm <laughs> not sure what their real name is actually. Maybe the pen name is the real name. Right. <laughs> Maybe the, the person in the photos is an actor, as far as we can tell. You know, <laughs> who knows? Right? <laughs> who cares? But uh, yeah, it's you know, it's just so thoughtless. You know, who I really feel bad for is their their publisher and their publicist. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they're suffering right now. I'm sure yeah. their job su- sucks. <laughs> <laughs> and the workers at Hachette. I hope the workers at Hachette show some backbone and stand up to their employer and mm-hmm. do what they know they should be doing right now, which is not yeah. participating in inciting hatred without mm-hmm. realizing it, but at least being hypercritical of what's being written. Because freedom of expression is one thing, but that doesn't include the freedom to spread, hate, spread hatred. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. That's a, a beautiful way to, to end this episode, I think. Uh, thank you both so much. Uh, um, I I feel like I I learned a lot and you know inspired to keep learning and listening and to uh, and to to uh, uh, keep you know just keep trying to do better. I, mm-hmm. I think that's what we all need to do. Um, mm-hmm. And thank you. 
Now, for for those who are wanting to learn more about you and your respective works, where can they find you on the social medias? Well, uh, I am going to go first. Uh, on Twitter, I can be reached at morganoj.ca. Sorry, morganojbc on Twitter. That's M-O-R-G-A-N-E-O-G-E-R-B-C. And I have a blog at morganoj.ca, M-O-R-G-A-N-E-O-G-E-R.ca. Uh, Facebook has a page with the same name, more or less. It's, it's unmistakable. Just Google <laughs> Morgan Transgender. <laughs> You'll find me. Thank you. Um, and I am Instagram at homo.hardware. Um, pretty much if you... If you misspell home hardware, you'll find me. Um, I, I have a Facebook page under uh, a the same name, but with a slightly. I've I've had to squish uh, homohar into one word and d apostrophe where uh, because Facebook censorship doesn't like the word homo, even though that what I choose to call myself <laughs> censoring actual hate speech on Facebook. Um, people, can, people can call me a man on Facebook, but you can't use the word homo. Yes. Um, so those are the two places that I am. Going to. <laughs> yeah. Now, speaking awesome. of, uh, for, for us, Jeff, where can people learn more about the fear of science? You can find us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter um, at Science Fears. Um, also, because we couldn't find the fear of science in all of the uh, the actual tags. Um, we also have a Patreon as well, if you would like to support us on Patreon. Thank you. And of course, uh, thank you for listening on all of your favorite podcast players. Um, as always, uh, keep listening, keep learning, and uh, take care of take care of yourself and of each other. Again, my name is Daniel Chai. And I'm Jeff Porter. Have a great day.